right. So today we are here with Laura Dahl, broker owner of Music City Experts here in Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Laura Dahl, welcome to the Bauer Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, there's a lot to know, I guess. Um, like an onion, lots of layers. Um, I have been in real estate for 20, I was 19 when I got a license, so 20 some years. Okay. Um, I have been a broker in three states. I'm from Virginia originally. Um, got my broker's license the first opportunity I was eligible, so right at three years. Okay. Um, and then I sold real estate there for a number of years, and then we transferred to South Carolina. Okay. I opened my own firm in South Carolina. Uh, moved to a city I'd never been to, never had family, never visited, and decided I was going to open my own shop. All right. So uh, big, bold. Interesting. Uh, yeah, um, bold um, move there. And then um, I sold that company to the largest Coldwell Banker franchise in the low country um, in a declining market for a little bit of money, okay. which doesn't happen. Usually okay. they absorb you and yeah. take your agents, and they gave me a little bit of money. And nice liked what I created and then um, left there and went to North Carolina for about 10 months. I was a high school Spanish teacher. I needed a break there from real go. estate yeah. and uh, left there and came to Nashville and I've been here um, 10 years and uh, been and I'm a broker here and and then I opened my firm in October of 2017 and we are at about 43 agents as of wow. yesterday. So Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Thanks. Impressive. Thanks. So lots of uh, lots of stops along the way. So you, you started selling real estate in Virginia. Right. My okay. mom was a realtor. So okay. I grew up listening to her talk about real estate around the dining room table. And okay. uh, I used to sit there and say, can't we talk about something else? Anything now other, yeah. now, <laughs> now I circle. do that to my children. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So watching. So what was the transition? <laughs> because if you grew up talking about real estate around the dining room table, being annoyed by it. What made you want to get into real estate? Well, I mean, I always watched my mom. My mom was, you know, a single mom, a lot of grown up. And, uh, I, you know, I watched her provide for us. Sure. And, um, you know, I, she also had freedom to be there for us, like after school or at school events yeah. or whatever. Um, and then, you know, the money always was very enticing at 19 years old. Oh, I yeah. saw the ability to make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and it was something I was really good at naturally too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just had to work hard at 19 trying to get people to, to respect trust you, me and respect you. me yeah. and know that I knew what I was talking about. Sure. So luckily I had great training. I had an amazing, incredible broker. Um, and you know, she taught me a lot. I had a great foundation. And I also worked in an office where, it was a large independently owned company that had like 22 offices and each okay. office had a hundred agents in it. Okay. And the office that I worked in was some of the best in the company. And so oh, wow. I cut my teeth with really high producers, multi-million dollar, you know, sure. in volume. Um, and so I just had great training, great foundation. That's you know, awesome. So that helped. Yeah. You know. That, that always helps. Yeah. So did you, did you work with your mom? Was your mom at the same brokerage? <laughs> she was at the same brokerage. She was at the same office, but we did not work together okay. as a team. That would okay. have been disastrous. Yeah. So uh, my mom and I were a lot alike. Um, and so that would not have worked very well. But, yeah. you know, um, she was always very proud, especially yeah. when I got my broker's license. And That's awesome. I think. So you got your broker's license at 22. Yeah. That's impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. It was very cool. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I just had it. I didn't, yeah, I wasn't in yet. any supervisory role okay. or anything like that that but um but I got it young yeah. so the first time I could yeah yeah well, um how old were you or how long were you in the business before you started using your broker's license um well not until I moved to South Carolina so I probably had it 
seven, eight, nine years maybe before. Um, okay. Because we moved to South Carolina in 2006. Okay. So, you know, I had it a little bit, but I okay. really wasn't using it as um, the full capacity until sure. I opened my own firm. Sure. So, and yeah. what brought you to South Carolina? Uh, so, I was married at the time, yeah. um, and my husband was military. Okay. And so, he, we transferred. Um, he was a Navy physician, and yeah. so we moved to, we lived in Paris Island. Okay. Um, and uh, he was at the Naval Hospital in Beaufort, so. Okay. Yeah. So, you did that, sold to a large Coldwell Banker franchise, yep. right? And then you taught Spanish, came to Nashville. Yeah. So I, I tell people that I used to sell real estate to Marine Corps fighter pilots, doctors, and attorneys. And if you can sell a house to a Marine Corps fighter pilot, you can sell a house to anyone. Uh, they are type yeah. A, very, yeah. very data-driven fact finders. Wow. You know, you've got to have it in black yeah, and white. for sure. Um, and they want to see the analytics and okay. the data. So if you can sell a house good to a Marine Corps. Good on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I loved selling houses. Stressing out just about that. <laughs> uh, well, they're just meticulous. And so yeah. that's the other thing. I loved my listings from those people because the house was very well maintained. I never okay, had to yeah. beg them to do things, yeah. you know, they here, were on it. here's your list of what I need you to do. And they did, they it. did it, you know, yeah. I w- loved it, yeah. loved it. So yeah. you don't fight with people and beg them to do things. You know, they just know this is what I need to do. I respect your advice. For sure. I'm going to follow it. So yeah. it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, um, but I got a degree in Spanish and criminal justice, you know, um, when I was young, 1920, my bro- I, it was bothering me that I hadn't finished college. Okay. And so I sat down with my broker and I said, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go to part-time because I need to go finish my degree. And my broker said, well, Laura, you're really good at this. and You don't need a degree to yeah. sell real estate. And I said, well, I get that. Yeah. But I need it for me. Okay. So it was a thing for you. Yeah. Like your conscience, you're like, I, I need to finish this. I started it. Hundred percent. Got it. Yeah, it was a lot of self-driven, I imposed, that. I that. self-imposed pressure. I was also the first one in my family to to go to college. Mm, so okay, that's huge. I mean, my brother, um, you know, he kind of dabbled here and there, but I was the first one to go and get a degree, sure. and so it was a big deal to me. That is important. Um, and it was something nobody could ever take from me. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I was super proud of. And uh, so I quit. You know, I started selling real estate part-time, went to school and finished my degree in Spanish and criminal justice. And the plan was always that I was supposed to be a federal law enforcement officer. So FBI, NCIS, well before NCIS was popular. Um, I had an aunt who was I mean, technically, you could be, and we just (laughs) want to know, (laughs) You just don't know, yeah. yeah. Uh, But my aunt was... Music City That's right. (laughs) It's just a cover, all of it. Um, But my aunt was an NCIS agent, so I was just very fascinated at, like, 13 and 14 years old of looking at her crime scene photos and all that. So just... But in any event, I... um, I finished my degree and I just kept selling real estate and, um, it just, you know, there was no way I was, I taught for a little while when I was having my children. And at the end of the day, I would have like nine or 10 phone calls and voicemails at the end of the day. And I I really felt like I couldn't do both well. So I uh, stopped teaching and focused on real estate full time. Um, but when I sold my company in South Carolina, I was so burnt out. Um, I was working a hundred hours a week, you know, I had 44 listings of my own, that I couldn't sell. Um, You know, every buyer pool we had dried up. Um, You know, the market definitely hurt that area. What year was this? This is um, 2009, 2010. Yeah, right in the thick of it. Yeah, right. And so every buyer pool we had, like there were military people, their COs were telling them not to buy, um, encouraging them to rent. Um, the move up buyers couldn't sell their existing house. The portfolio, second home properties, because a lot of vacation rentals, 
they weren't buying, you know, they weren't able to retire when they wanted to. Mm. So every buyer pool you have is gone. Gone. (laughs) So I became a uh, glorified property manager. Um, And every single one of those families, you know, every single one of those listings represented a family that I felt like I was personally responsible. Oh, yeah. You care. You're a very empathetic person. So it's hard when you have a list, one listing sitting. And there were 44 of them. And I felt, and I was already living that life. My husband had already transferred to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so I was left behind with the boys and and my house and my business. And um, I knew what kind of strain that was putting on my marriage. And so every one of those families represented the same situation Mm. to me. And so I took it personally. Uh, I was overwhelmed with stress and grief. Mm. And it just was hard. And so by the time I sold my company, you know, I was under a contract to work with them for another year. Um, But by the time I got out, I didn't care if I ever sold another house again. So I just said, well, I'll go teach some high school kids. Well, those 10 months, like I fell in love with these children. I fed them, invited them to my pool. You know, I still talk to them to this day. Um, But then when I got to Nashville, you know, I just got sucked right back into real estate. (laughs) You know, um, and this has probably been one of the best places I've ever sold. So, you know, between Virginia, South Carolina and here, this is definitely my favorite. So. Just in terms of the market conditions? Market conditions are great, but not only that, um, you know, I feel like there's there's a lot of money in our town that makes financing a little easier. You've got, you're working with a lot of relocation, which is my specialty anyway, which are okay. the people I love to work with because I've moved so much. I know what they need sure. and what they want. Um, and uh, I love, you know, the how alive our economy is, all the industries, all the businesses that exist here, the yeah. companies. And I'm proud to show off our town. So Yeah, for sure. It is a it's a town that's easy to show off. Easy to brag about. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay, so cool. So uh relocation I didn't did not know that. What how did you get into that niche? How do you actively pick up those kinds of clients? Well, the big thing is making connections with corporations here, the smaller corporations, not the big um big that have in-house yeah, reload N- people. And, yeah. yeah. Like not the send and own company yeah. referral bases, but um, especially for an independent broker like me, you know, it's just really getting one-on-one time with, with decision makers in a smaller sure. companies and the people that have less than a hundred employees maybe. Yeah. Um, and really sitting they probably down, probably connect with the fact that you're the same. Right. They re- yeah. That resonates with them. hundred percent. And then um, really making sure that they understand that our job is to make the transition for their employee as easy and seamless as possible so that their employee can get straight to work and that the transition is a lot easier. Um, and so the things that we provide are, you know, some ancillary services like a concierge, if you will. Okay. So just making sure that the person has, you know, their doctors lined up and if they have special needs children or if they need an uh, orthodontist or a hair person or, you know, whatever is just going to make that transition from moving from one state to another a lot simpler, yeah. you know, and easier. Is that point, the the concierge, if you, when you're having these kind of conversations with the deci- decision makers, is that when their eyes light up? Like what... What are some of the things that have been yeah. huge for kind of closing the deal? Well, their their eyes light up because people don't address, you know, their concern is um, their workforce getting back to work quickly and efficiency and effectiveness, right? And so when you move, depression is a big deal. You know, you're transitioning, you're leaving behind friends and family, yeah. you're leaving behind comforts of what you yeah. know. Um, you're moving to a new city that you don't know if you like, yeah. you know, you don't know um, what there is to do there yet. You don't, sure. and that transition time could cause a 
you know, a depletion of efficiency mm-hmm. or, you know, you're not getting as much work done or not being happy in your work. Mm-hmm. And then you lose good employees too. So yeah. the retention part, and that's the part that I don't think a lot of people talk about. So when you're meeting with decision makers, it's really important that, you know, you're letting them know what problems you're going to solve to help make their transition a lot easier. And so it's just an extra higher level of service. That's huge. Yeah. I love that. So what's cool, you mentioned when you were teaching Spanish, you'd have, you know, you'd have the students over and you'd feed them and do all this stuff. Not knowing that about you, that you did that as a teacher, it makes total sense. And it's really cool because that's what you do at Music City Experts. Like I see you everywhere. There's always events and it's, it really does have a unique culture um, on social media, at least. It looks Mm -hmm. like a big, big old family. It is a big old family. One of the girls that I got a license with, we both started at the same time. So I was 19. She's a little older than me, but um, we came into real estate at the same time, went through training together. She She's a big time broker in D.C. Okay. And so we're great friends. We share ideas back and forth. And she actually came for a visit and I took her to my office and we were leaving and she got to meet some of my agents, a couple of my brokers and we we're leaving. And she goes, you know, Laura, your office is nothing like my office. I said, well, I don't know if that's good or bad, but what does that mean? And she said, (laughs) your office is like a family. She said, you know, it's just really cool how they relate to each other. It's very cool. Like the culture that you've created is very cool. And we don't have that. And in DC, it's very competitive. It's very cutthroat. Um, You know, they don't interact with each other the way my people do. But my culture is also very intentional. So what I found is a lot of agents are longing for, you know, to belong to something they're longing for um you know to be a part of something and the coaching and the mentoring and the training um and that's kind of what we've gone the extra mile to provide and hospitality is kind of my specialty too i like you know hosting people and um, i've always done that and so i think in my office we just try really hard to create an environment where people want to come into the office if they you know they feel welcome Um, But our office is also the kind of place where if somebody says, hey, I've got a buyer who needs to see a property in Mount Juliet tomorrow at noon. Can anybody help? Because I'm busy or whatever. They Six of them will jump on there and say, what what time do I need to be there? What's the address? And they don't say, oh, I'll do it for money. Let me know how I can help you. Sure. That's a big deal. You know, that is is not created um, easily. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I'm super proud of the fact yeah. of how they relate with each other. So it's cool that you noticed that. So I yeah, like that. Yeah, for Thank sure. You. I think everyone probably notices that. What um, You said you've created that intentionally. What are some of the things that you've done practically to kind of create that culture? Well, for people the, who are like your friend. Right. And she's like, this sucks. My agent's like, it's not a family. <laughs> like, we have no culture. What advice would you give to people who are trying to create a strong culture within their brokerage? Well, I think the big thing is making sure that you have events throughout the month where people have the opportunity to attend. So one, obviously we do a sales meeting. Um, I call it a team meeting. You know, obviously we have training, we have vendors that come speak, but I also do celebrations and my celebrations are not, you know, who had the highest volume, who's the top salesperson. It's like, I want to applaud you for getting your first listing. I want to applaud you for your first sale. Um, I want to recognize you for showing up to all this training and working so hard and, Mm -hmm. you know, working in your business and having a good attitude or whatever. And so, you know, you do need to recognize agents who are working really hard and maybe the volume's not quite there yet, but they're working on it, you know, um, because motivation is hard to keep, you know, um, is one thing. So we have a team meeting the second week of every month. We do a community service project. So, um, that brings all of our agents together, working towards something amazing in the community, serving the community in which we sell in. Um, and that's laid back, 
you know, they get to know each other. Yeah. Um, the third week of every month, we do um, a team social. So we do actually do a laid back. We'll go to Top, top Golf. golf. Yeah. yeah, Top Golf, bowling, um, axe throwing, whatever. Nice. You know, yeah. something just for them to hang out with each other. And then the fourth week of every month, we do the bus tour. Cool. So, um, and the bus tour obviously is, uh, for people who don't know, it's I select an area of town. I select a variety of listings and a variety of price ranges. Um, and then we invite agents from other companies as well. So you get to network with other agents from other companies. And um, you get to see houses in an area that you might not be familiar with or you may sure. not have clients currently looking in. And it introduces you to builders, neighborhoods, you know, what you can get from the sure. money in that area. So, um, And then we have a book club too. But all of those calendar events contribute yeah. to. But the biggest thing. I, fun events too. Yeah, things that people would want to participate yeah. in. Um, but the biggest thing I think that helps create the culture is um, – the accessibility, you know, is having access to me. Um, you know, my office is set up with, I have a workstation out in one room. Um, there's all these chairs that people can work at. And then in my office, I have my desk and a big conference or table. My agents will come in and they all sit around the conference. Yeah. Table. Every time I've come <laughs> in, it's bit, you've been at your desk and then there's been agents at the conference table. Right chatting you up or they will not work in that other room yeah (laughs) they don't like to they like and I don't mind it I mean but the thing is my door is always open I am accessible to them but the biggest thing is being approachable sure so I know a lot of brokers struggle with agents say well I don't really need my broker I don't have a lot of questions or um I don't feel like I want to bother my broker because they're so busy you have to be approachable you know Mm -hmm. in order for your agents to talk to you about what's going on um you've got to be accessible and you have to be approachable yeah um, the last thing we do are accountability calls. So for me as a broker, I wanted, I never wanted one of my agents to go six months without a sale and nobody cared mm-hmm. or three months without yeah. even seeing them or calling them. Cause you guys don't come into the office yeah. all the time. You yeah, work yeah. remotely. And if you don't come to team meetings or you don't come to staff meetings or trainings, like you may not see some of sure. your agents on yeah. your roster. So we actually have accountability calls once a week and a broker, cause I have a leadership team. I have four brokers in my office total. Every week, one broker, we split up the roster. And so my agents get a call once a week from a from a leadership team member just saying, how can I help you this week? What are you working on? Do you have, how are you engaging with your social media this week? How are you marketing and promoting yourself? Do you have any events planned? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help you with what your goals are this week? Sure. And I think that's made a huge difference in just our agents feeling like they are supported. Sure. That they're valued, that yeah. we care about what they're doing yeah. in their business, um, which helps create that culture too. Yeah, so that's huge. That's awesome. <laughs> so you started. You started. When did you start bringing on additional brokers? So it kind of happened naturally. Um, Adrian was my first broker, and she she actually. I hired her early on, but she always had a goal of becoming a broker very quickly. Okay. Um, and then. Um, let's see, Lance and Taylor came on kind of at the same, similar timing. Um, both same thing were already in the works of getting their broker's license. And so it just morphed where I found three people who were so invested in what we were doing that they wanted to be a part of it. And they wanted to be a part of growing our company from the ground up. And they wanted to be a part of investing in agents' businesses. Mm -hmm. That's how our model is a little different than some other people's models is that, we, I tell people we don't collect licenses, and if you're looking for a place just to hang your license and do your own thing, we're not the right fit. Sure. Because we are going to have an intimate involvement yeah. in your business, and yeah. that's just 
to make you grow, to help you mm-hmm. grow, to help you move along without having to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Um, and so these three people just naturally wanted to have a leadership role. I wanted to have more accessibility. Um, good, good people too. I don't know Adrian, yeah. but I know Lance and I know Taylor. Are good yeah. people. They're all amazing, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, to I, mean, fun- I would assume Adrian. <laughs> she's. Know. They're all incredible, but they all bring. What I love is they all bring something different. So my agents get the benefit of my experience. Um, and my knowledge in various areas. But, you know, Lance specializes in investors and first-time buyers. And Taylor has new construction background. He's been in new construction almost his whole career. Um, And then Adrian is, you know, she has more CE credits than I think any realtor in Middle Tennessee. (laughs) Um, And so she knows her stuff, you know. And and then she's also very good at social media and branding. And so all three of them bring something totally different to the table. And my agents get to benefit from a little bit of each of their experiences. Experiences sure. because each one of them calls, sure. they get a different call from each one of them each week. Sure. So, um, which is just very cool to have a very well-rounded team that can kind of handle just about anything that yeah. they need help with. Yeah. So, so what's what's the process been like of going from zero to forty-three agents in two years? Yeah. You know, I think with a strong culture, I would imagine that it's a lot of just organic, like word of mouth. But like, take us behind the cloak. Like, what's yeah? What is what has that been like? Well, the biggest thing I could say is we have not advertised or like really. We don't call rosters. We sure. don't do heavy recruiting campaigns. Yeah. Every agent that we have that has come to us has come through referrals of other people, some of my vendor partners who know somebody would be a good fit yeah. for us, um, or um, our own agents who are, they think somebody, one they of their friends it. would love yeah. to be here too. Um, and so we've, or it all has happened organically, which is very cool. Um, but in order to go from zero to 43 in such a short period of time, I have very specific systems and processes in place. So like our onboarding is very systematic Um, when an agent transfers to our company they are up and running within 24 hours on all of our systems an orientation is scheduled within the first 48 hours and then they are scheduled to do a one-on-one coaching session with me within seven days Um, and there's a checklist obviously Um, and so it's you know one day I hired five people in one day and I did it all by my you know pretty much by myself because I have systems in place out for each one that's right Um, and so that's been you know kind of the the uh the mechanics of it is just having the systems in place but the the growth i would attribute to we're trying to provide some things that i know agents are hungry for Mm -hmm. uh, which is the coaching the training and the mentorship um but also having the accessibility of four brokers is pretty helpful that's huge yeah um you know and i think just organically people are taking note that we're doing something a little differently um, and it is agent centered and agent focused um, yeah. and that's bringing people to us, but we're not knocking on doors. Sure. We're not calling yeah. rosters. Um, you know, we're not inundating agents in their mailboxes sure. with stuff. So, yeah. which has been cool because it's also attracted the right kind of people. Sure. To us, yeah. So, so um, the bus tours, yes. are those, would you say those are like 50% y'all's agents, 50%? Um, I would, I would probably say it's about 40% of our agents. Um, okay. it started out heavily, mostly sure. our agents and, and, and then, month right. And, yeah. Um, but now, you know, we're getting a lot of new faces every month, you know, we've done it for a full year, sure. um, every month. Um, our most popular one was the boat tour, which, um, is nice. you, wh- what we're supposed to do in June as well. Is for I remember that one and I wanted to come and I can't remember, but I didn't come. Yeah. I don't remember why. 
it, but it, when you're doing it next month, we're supposed to do it in have, June. If I don't have kids, I'd yeah. like to invite you're myself You're going to have on boys that. by yeah. then. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, cause June it's a, what? It's always the last Monday of the month. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to be pushed You're going to have boys by then, I'm sure. But um, last time we hired a big charter boat, which was problematic because a lot of the listing agents, even though we confirmed the depth of the water at the dock, most did not know what the depth of the water at the dock was of their own listing. Um, and our boat captain had a really hard time pulling in, docking the boat for us to look at properties. So we had all these listings lined oh, up. Oh, wow. And the agents were misinformed about the depth of the water, and he couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't pull it. Oh. So I think total they um, so you have to you've got some disclaimers going out so like this, right now. Like So this time we're gonna do pontoon boats. It makes it easier to get in and out of the dock. You oh, know, cool. we don't have to worry so much about the depth um at the dock. Um but it's always a fun time. But you know, the boat the bus tours are and we have people who have come consistently for a year, every single month. Yeah, like I bet. Yeah. Every single month they're there. Um, people put it on their calendar a month in advance, um, you know, and we've had wait lists on a couple of our tours oh, wow. as well, which is very cool. But the, you know, the value in it is the listing agents, we provide them feedback within 24 hours of the tour as well. Sure. So they get feedback for their sellers. Um, it's just a fun day, yeah. usually. You should get a videographer out there and blog the yeah. one for the, uh, on the boat the tour. The boat tour. Because that would be a blast. I mean, the drone footage, and that would just be a lot of really great cool. Idea. Fun footage. Yeah, yeah. I've got idea. a guy he can use if you, we'll if, you, if, you need, if you need a guy. For that. I do. I need a guy. So, well, that's cool. So, um, I, the people that have come religiously, like month after month after month, that haven't been in your brokerage, have any of them joined your brokerage? So I have recruited probably about four agents from the bus tours, sure. um, and that's several of them consistently came every month. They heard my message every single month, and one specifically said who was about. $11 million producer it was a great agent. Um, you know, they said, you know, I heard you stand up every month on this bus tour telling me what all you provide. And I started thinking to myself, why don't I get any of this where I currently am? Sure. So we've, we've had some success in recruiting. Um, I mean, it is a great recruiting tool, but primarily it's to educate agents on the area. You sure. know, the yeah, recruiting yeah. part is definitely a, uh, a bu added bonus. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yes, we have recruited some agents from the bus tour, but trust me, we're not out trying to recruit everyone who no, comes I on the bus it. tour. No, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, so what about, so 43 agents, um, what, like, where's most of y'all's production coming from? Is every agent different in how they grow their business? Or Absolutely. Are you trying to, are you steering people in one way or are you just kind of? That's a great question. Um, one of the things that makes us unique is all of my agents are required to do three one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with me. So they can have as many as they want, but they're required to do three. That first session is to get to know them, to get to know their business. So do they know who their target client is? Do they know where their business is going to come from? How are they going to get that business? But also most of our agents come from other industries, right, before they get into real estate. Sure. And so my job is to find out what skills they have, um, that we can apply to real estate and that they can use as their bullet points that make them different than other realtors out there. Um, and so that first one-on-one -on -one session is really to get to know them and to help them extract their bullet points of what makes them different. Um, and our second coaching session is really to figure out, okay, let's identify who your target client is and let's help develop a roadmap for you of how you're going to get that target client sure. and where your marketing plan is going to go sure. to, right? Um, and then tweak their presentations. Like, Let's look at your branding. Let's look at your marketing. Let's look at your how your listing presentation looks. Let's look at your buyer presentation. Are you meeting with a builder? What you know? Mm -hmm. What do you need? What do you need that I can help you polish sure. and make it look better? Um, and then that third session is a check-in. Like, 
you know, do I need to help write system and process for you? Are you Did duplicating? You do it? Did you do you know? it? Did you do it? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. How's the implementation going? Yeah. And then do we need to tweak any of that? And then sometimes it's just, do I need to make an introduction to you? So based on what your business looks like, because every one of those 43 agents has a different business. Um, is there someone that I can introduce to you or connect with you that's already doing what you're doing or that you can benefit from knowing sure. based on who your target client is and yeah. what you're trying to do? So, um, you know, the steering part is usually a natural process. So a lot of them, yeah. when they leave that first coaching session with me, their wheels are spinning sure. and they are overwhelmed. And I tell them, if you are not overwhelmed, then I haven't done my job Yeah. because you should come into this session. Even agents who have a great business plan, they've been a great consistent producer. There's areas we can tweak. Oh, yeah, There's areas sure. that we can work on. Um, and they leave that first session like uh, deer in the headlights. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you've got a great business plan and you're max kind of maxing out mm -hmm. the areas that you're already in, but you've got the systems in place, let's add another Let's add another, you know, channel for getting business. Mm -hmm. Or the layer of accountability is yeah. the biggest thing. Most of my agents are coming to me because they're lacking in the accountability part, which is they've got great things in place, but they know they could do better. Um, and so I'm working with a lot of them on schedule. I'm working a lot with them on time blocking, working a lot with them on consistency, um, and then setting up those systems and processes as well. So uh, that part is cool. The ideas that have come out of those coaching sessions have been very cool and um, exciting to yeah. watch, um, you know, brand new agents who are very passionate about serving a certain community and have watched them deploy some of do their it, ideas yeah. and do it is really cool and rewarding for me just to see yeah. them taking action. That so, is cool. Yeah, that is cool. So what's the, um, kind of what's the long term vision for music city experts? Do you want to just be music city experts or do you want to be Austin experts and exactly. Louisville experts. What's, what's the long-term vision? So the long-term vision is actually, I know that this model that we have is not specifically geographically successful. Like it's just something that can be duplicated across the country. The reality is that agents are hungry for mentorship. They're hungry mm -hmm. for training. They're hungry for coaching. They're hungry for accountability. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things to our model that can be successful all over the country. So I definitely would love to see experts that are, hyper-local, everywhere, um, with deploying the same. But you've got to find people who are willing to invest in others in order for it to work. Otherwise, it's no different than any other model out there. Yeah. Um, the yeah, it's, it's, very, you've got, it's very personnel-driven. You've got to have the right people. Yeah. Well, you've got to have someone who will call their agents weekly. You've yeah. got to have someone They've who... They've got to be bought in who is willing to sit down and do those coaching sessions with their agents and really extract ideas and help them develop their ideas. And that's not going to happen if you're only concerned about a paycheck at the end of the day from what you're going to get off your agents. You got to yeah. have somebody who says, I want to pour into you yeah, and I want to watch you grow. Yeah. You know, so I do want to see that happen for me, for Laura sure. Dahl, there is always an exit strategy. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to be doing this for 90 years. Um, well. no, um, but I like to leave legacies everywhere I go. So, sure. you know, in Buford, I think I left behind, um, an amazing legacy of how to do things that was different than the way they did them. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of our tagline is deliberately different yeah. as well. And, uh, um, you know, I'm trying to create agents who operate differently, um, who live in that extra mile because sure. there's plenty of room there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, who are able to differentiate themselves from the rest, you yeah. know, who can articulate to other people, who can explain. Here's why I am deliberately different. Here's why I'm different than yeah. all the other 20 realtors you know. Yeah. You know, and it's going to happen and the change is going to happen one agent at a time. Sure.
you know. I love it. Yeah. So have you started putting pen to paper and like, th- or do you just want that growth to happen organically into like other markets? Well, I mean, I definitely want to create um, an incredible foundation here that's going to support that sure. um, and creating that in other markets. I, I, I honestly truly believe it's not a matter of, um, you know, how to do it. It's just the energy that it takes to make that happen in other places. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. going to take leadership from a much higher oh, level yeah. across the country at national events and things like that and sharing that model with other people. But sure. it'll happen. I just, um, you know, I'm trying to get two kids out of high school. I <laughs> so you. I got you one down. One graduated on Friday, right? <laughs> That's Congrats. right. So one down, one to go. So, um, you know, but I do have plans of, I mean, that's a, the global vision of what I'd like to see happen. I just don't have it all mapped out on sure. how, but it's... Well, you got your hands full right now. Here it's not complicated. Yeah. 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 So um, how old is your youngest? He is 15. Okay. Because I met your oldest, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. And the 15-year-old just got his braces off today. So oh, he's nice. you know, got all nice, shiny, pretty teeth. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's fun. Just getting him through high school and, and out, you know, of the nest. Uh, he claims he wants to get into real estate. So we'll Does see. He? You know, I Interesting. gave him the lowdown of uh, what all sure? is required to yeah. get a license. You it's know? hard. <laughs> it's harder work than people think. Yeah. That's for sure. You yeah. know? Yeah. No one told me. It was really hard. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, with you, you know, you had to learn a lot on your own, you know, yeah. as you just finding your way, yeah. you know? Um, and that's kind of one of the things that we try to do that's a little different is it takes seven to 10 transactions for an agent, a newly licensed agent to feel confident about what they're doing, to feel like, okay, I know how things yeah. are going to work. I know what pitfalls to avoid. I know what my role is and how I can help. Well, those seven to 10 people deserve your very best, you know? Yeah. And so my job is to try to shorten that experience gap so that those those yeah. agents know and are prepared and are confident in what yeah. they're doing right out the gate. Yeah. Um, and so that you're not spinning your wheels in 20 different yeah. directions to see what works. Yeah. You've got a proven method of what works sure. and what works for me may not work for somebody else, yeah. but we're going to figure out what your business looks like yeah. and then help you figure out what's the best way to go yeah, about it for sure. without having to figure it out on your yeah, own, which sure. is what most agents have yeah. to do. Yeah. I think, yeah. And that's, that's definitely the, I think big value add for y'all is the, just the mentorship. You know, when I start, well, before I started in real estate, when I was exploring going into real estate, one of my mentors was like, you need to find the best agent that you mm-hmm. can possibly find and see if they'll mentor you. Mm-hmm. And so I literally like Googled number one real estate agent in Nashville and um, Terry DeSelms right. popped up at the time. Sure. And I called him and, and um, he's kind of on his way out of the door, but they were like, yeah, come on board. And so sure. I just tried to learn and soak up as much from, from him as I, as I could. Um, but I, I'm, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I saw, you see, you know, you see these posts on Facebook all the time. Like, Hey, do you, what do you do? Um, do you get a buyer's rep signed or you do, do you do this or do you do this? And it's just crazy. All these, like what I would consider foundational things mm-hmm. that, that people are clueless know. about mm-hmm. and that they can't like talk to someone within their brokerage about. Right. And they're going to Facebook and it, not that that's wrong, but, but it, it's just, it it's demonstrates. telling, it's telling yeah. of the culture of most brokerages within our industry 100 percent. and i'm in the process i i wrote a course called broker boot camp um it's 10 classes with 11 hands-on labs so when i teach an agent how to do a buyer broker agreement you know the lab is the hands-on part where they're going to actually do it and present it and practice it and role play um i teach them how to show a property like how you're building rapport and trust as you walk through the various rooms you're opening the lockbox you're you know guiding them through the house you know extracting information from them and whatnot um and so i'm in the process of getting that approved for CE credit 
What's that process like, by the way? Because I was thinking about that, <coughs> and I'm like, like you talked about social media some, but I, I, I feel like I'm like the best at social media, yeah. and I need to help people. Like, but I don't know what the CE like approval process is like, and I've got like sure. a couple courses that I do. Well, yeah, that you um, should be getting CE approved. Yeah, yeah. and so what, what's that? What's so that? So like? you have to take a class that's called like Instruct the Instructor. Um, okay. That is, and GNAR um, hosts it as well. I think they do it once a year, maybe twice a year. Um, but if you are ever going to write a course for CE credit, you have to take that class in sure. order. And then you write your course out. Your course has to have, you know. Um, an outline has to have timing so you know how, sure. how long it takes to cover wet material. You've got to have uh, slides or some type of, yeah. you know, um, hands out, hands out stuff to go with it. Um, and then you have to have objectives for what they're going to learn along sure. the way. And then you send that to Trek for them to approve it. And so they, you know, they only meet once a month. So if you're planning on teaching the class next week for CE credit, yeah, that's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. So you send it over to them for approval and then they'll kick it back to you if it's not, if it doesn't meet the requirements sure. that you need to have. But the Instruct the Instructor course will walk you through all the things your course needs to have in order for it to get approval. And they usually have a board member who approves the classes come speak at that class that will say, here, here's what I'm looking for. Got it. Um, but to offer the CE class, you know, my thing is most of my agents take the broker bootcamp class from me anyway. And I even offer it to agents outside of my office. Cause sure. again, I want you all to be yeah, prepared cause yeah. I'm going to be working with you yeah, or they're going to yeah, be working yeah, with you. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I teach it to every people, but it would be great if they could get CE credit for it, you know, but it is all the things that you don't learn in licensing. Yeah, the important stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like how to conduct an open house, yeah. you know, yeah. um, or even just how to write a contract. You sure. know, um, we even do a, a scavenger hunt um, and trivia game that we do with the purchase and sale agreement. Cause that's fun. I want them to know it yeah. like the back yeah. of their hands. So. That's good. That's fun. Yeah. That's cool. But you should do that. You should look into the yeah. instruct the instructor instruct class. Instructor. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's GNAR is right around the corner. Yep. So that's where I took by. mine, but you should yeah. check and find out when they're hosting that. Um, but you've got to do that in order to be able to get Good a to class know. approved. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was thinking about reaching out to like Brian Campbell or something. I was like, okay, I guess he would know, but yeah. you know, so that's, yeah. that's what I need to do. Yeah. It just happened that you yeah. found with the right person yeah. today. So there it's all go. good. Yeah. So what's been in your 20 plus real estate, 20 plus years of real estate, what's been the hardest thing that you've ever had to deal with in your career uh you know I wish that I didn't say it but um sometimes it's working with other agents that are not easy to work with to be honest um I I mean I wish I could come up with some better answer for you but that has been the hardest and most difficult is you know, reminding people to stay level-headed, reminding people to remain professional, reminding people that at the end of the day, our job is to represent our client's best interest. And there are some agents who fight like a pit bull with a bone and will not let go of the bone. Um, and they're doing more damage to the transaction and more damage for their client than good. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can be the most experienced broker. You can be the owner of your own company and a broker with years of experience in multiple states. Um, and you're just working with someone who's so hard-headed and stubborn that it's very difficult to get deals done. Sure. You know, that's, I think, the most challenging part. And people who don't know what they're doing. You know, I've moved to a new state and had to learn the laws, had mm-hmm. to learn the rules and the customs of what's normal in the new state. Yeah. I worked a transaction with an agent who was from Illinois. 
and I wrote, represented the buyer, and I wrote a beautiful, clean offer. So beautiful and clean for us is the seller pays the title maybe and a home warranty, but there were no concessions, no yeah. contingencies. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, a no warranty yeah. and title. Well, this agent was not familiar. It was his first deal in Tennessee, I believe. And he was not familiar with what was custom in our county, you know, or even in the state. Um, and he yelled at me about how dare you ask for seller concessions. And I, I, I was baffled. I, I don't know what you mean. What are you asking? What do you mean? Like, this is a clean offer. And he said, no, you asked for title and you asked for a warranty. That's just ridiculous in this market. And so, of course, I encouraged him. I, I really would like for you to speak with your broker. You know, ask them if this is customary. Every offer he sees on his desk, I'm sure, asks for the have same thing. Declined it if they were, if his clients were so. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, every conversation from there on out was, um, you know, him recording my conversation. Oh my you know, it just turned really ugly, um, and it was very difficult to get what my client wanted, which is ultimately they just wanted the house and they were willing to pay for it cash. Like this is not complicated. Um, But he made it so hard and so difficult. I think that some people, they think that that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And that's why they do that. Right. I had, I had um, like one of the last kind of deals that I was a part of. um, It was a listing and the, the buyer's agent, they were like, Hey, um, they, they they wrote a good offer. They're asking for which is customary, but this particular house just had so much demand. They and it was like a first time home buyer type price point, okay. and so they were asking for warranty and they were asking for title. And so I just we just said we're no, just not no. gonna pay it. Yeah, we just said no. Um, he's like really like not even like warranty or title. I just said no. Like that was it. Just no. Yeah. And so he's like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, okay. <laughs> He comes back. It's like, you know, no warranty, no title, no right. nothing. It's like, all right, cool, man. Like, we can roll. Like, let's all do right. it. But I, don't, I just don't understand like people puffing their chest out. Like, you know. At the end of the day, we are advocates for our client. Yeah. But again, you We're have to co- partners too. You have to yeah. cooperate yeah. with the other agents, and so that's my biggest challenge. I mean, I've done some stupid things. I've locked myself out of houses. I've let myself into the wrong house that I thought was for sale that sure. had a sign, had a lockbox, but the address was sure. not the one I was supposed yeah. to be showing. Um, you know, I've done crazy things, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, any agent who's ever worked with me over 20 some years would say that I was not hard to work with. Yeah. That I was not horrible. Um, I can't think of many situations where I've, and there are not agents in this town I know of that, I've worked with what that would not work with me again. Sure. You yeah. know, but that's huge, you know, but I don't understand why some people can't be like that. Yeah. I have some people that I, when I see their name on the contract, I already know it's going to be a problem and it shouldn't be that way. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those where it's like, Oh, <sighs> you requested the showing. It's like, no. Or your client <laughs> says, I really want to see this house. And it's like, God, I pray that this yeah. isn't oh, the one man, they want to yeah. buy, but you know, yeah. of course you're going to show it to them anyway. Yeah. And of course yeah. you're going to write the contract anyway, yeah. but you already know you're going to have to hold your breath for sure. Bite your dung. Yeah. And you're going to sure. have to operate just a little differently um to get through it but you know that would be my biggest challenge is just agents who are unprepared you know when the market's great everybody wants to get a license and i know a lot of brokers love that because that's how you build your numbers that's how you add agents but you know you've got to make sure they're prepared for what they're doing and you got to make sure that they're trained and you know they're they're not just 
you know, out in the marketplace doing whatever the heck they want. And I tell people all the time, I've had this license for 20 some years. This is how I feed my children. I'd really like to keep it. So, you know, if you're the kind of agent who does their own thing without oversight and you don't like being told that you did it wrong, this isn't the right place for you. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I really have become attached to my license. I like sure. it. You so like it. Yeah. I'd it like to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I think more brokers should be more invested in making sure that their agents are cooperating. You know, when you hear that, when you get a complaint about the same agent over and over and over again, you have a responsibility to call them in and talk to them about mm-hmm. it and talk about the way that they're conducting their business because yeah. it reflects poorly on you and your yeah. company. Well, it's interesting. I think that there's a piece of the pie for everyone because I think there's a lot of agents too who, like you said, just want to go do their own thing. Sure. But what's so interesting about this conversation to me is that you, Laura Dahl, were Laura Dahl when you were teaching students, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, that's just who you, that's who you're going to be no matter what you do. And so you're going to love on your people. You're going to be invested. You're going to pour into them where some people they're just like, nope, just very transactional Mm -hmm. and want to be hands off. Sure. And that might be a fit for some people. And I have, yeah, yeah, I have agents that, um, some of my staff members have never seen, they've never met. They don't come to anything. You know, they just do their own thing, but they still get a weekly call. They still get a weekly call. They don't answer. They don't call back. Then we don't bother them, but we're going to call, you know? Um, and they still get checked in on by me. Like, Hey, I just want to check in on you and they'll talk to me, but no one's ever met them. No one's ever seen them. So, I mean, you have the ability in our office to do your own thing, but you're going to at least get, somebody checking in on you, you know, just to see how things are going or if you need help, you're not going to just sit and wallow for six months and maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're having some personal stuff going on. We're going to at least care enough about you to find out. Are you okay? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Well, good stuff. I really appreciate you coming on the, coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Anyone that's interested in you know, building a strong culture and, you know, how to pour into others. I think they'll really, really, really enjoy this. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. (laughs)